For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Melissa Lockhart, who covers minor league baseball for The Athletic, about some of the top minor leaguers and some of the hidden minor leaguers in the Giants system that we could see this year and in the years ahead. Also, a little update on Marco Luciano, how he's doing. Giants fans still waiting for him to get to the big league level. All stuff we can talk about with Melissa Lockhart, who joins me next. Today is Monday, May 9th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Melissa Lockard. She covers minor league baseball for The Athletic, and there's a lot of stuff to get to as far as the San Francisco Giants system goes. Melissa, how are you, and uh, and how's been the start to the season for you? It's been fun. You know, we're kind of almost back to, I don't want to say normal, but it feels like a a real season again. Baseball in April for the minor leagues after last year not having it. uh, Teams kind of able to settle into a, the six-game series uh, pattern that they've had that they started last year. And um, I think it's been great. There's been some really fantastic performances so far. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Let's talk about some of those. There was a no-hitter for the Giants organization up in Eugene last week. Is that what went down? Yeah, that was. Uh, they've done for a long time in the minor leagues the seven-inning no-hitters when there's a, a, a rain out. And so it was a seven-inning no-hitter. But uh, Nick Swinney's the the guy who got the start in that one was the second-round pick in 2020 and missed a lot of last season with a concussion. So he's been off to a terrific start, the left-hander from uh, uh, NC State. And, and he's you know really uh, been impressive. And then Cole Waits, who's got that 100-mile-per-hour fastball and uh, you know looks like exactly what you would think a guy with a 100-mile-per-hour fastball would look like, came in behind him. And then Nick Avila p- uh, put a, the finishing touches on it. So kind of encapsulated what's really been going well for Eugene so far. You know, uh, Madison Bumgarner, I think, would uh, would be in favor of the seven-inning no-hitter counting as a, a no-hitter after he threw one in the uh, the 2020 season. So let's talk about some of these players that uh, we've seen come up over the last couple of weeks. Jason Krizan, how fun of a story was that? I associated him with Brian Dallimore from about a decade ago, or maybe, maybe even longer than that, maybe it was closer to 20 years ago, who'd spent 10 years in the minor leagues and then came up and got his first big league knock with the Giants. It was a grand slam off of Dontrell Willis. Jason Krizan, same sort of thing, uh, toiled his way through the minor leagues for 11 seasons and he's been with the Giants organization for the last few years, finally got a shot. They did have to uh, to put him through waivers and put him back in AAA earlier this week. But uh, but what did you think of that story? And uh, it, that's got to be, as, a, as a, someone who covers the minor leagues, I would imagine those are the fun stories to come across. Absolutely. And, you know, he's somebody that anyone you talk to who's ever – kind of come across him in his 11 years in the minor leagues was absolutely over the moon for him. You know, he's the kind of guy people root for because, I mean, not just a professional who shows up every day and works as hard as he can, no matter what's happening in terms of if he's being promoted, not being promoted, but he's, he's a guy that really helps his teammates too. You know, he's a a great natural hitter. He has a lot of really good instincts um, at the plate and he's, he's somebody who will, you'll see him around the cage and other players will be kind of, Hey, how'd you do that? You know, and he, he'll talk them through it and, always a positive attitude and really, I mean, a a knack for barreling the baseball that I I think it's almost a shock that someone with his ability, you know, hadn't made the big leagues before this point. So it was great that he got his first hit. You know, hopefully there'll be a chance for him to get back up here, you know, at some point during this season and uh, that he can actually stay for a while because I think he's the kind of hitter who could really be a valuable player off the bench for a big league team. Let's talk about uh, some of the other guys uh, through the system. You you do a, a minor league notebook for the Giants and the A's, and I was reading up on the one from last week, and, and you wrote about uh, Brett Auerbach, who's in double-A now for the Giants, a guy out of Alabama from Mission Viejo, actually drafted by the Rockies in the 40th round out of high school, didn't sign, and then ultimately after the, uh, the 2020 college season was canceled, he kind of entered the draft, was not drafted, but became an undrafted free agent, and the Giants really like this guy. There are comparisons of him to, uh, to Craig Biggio because of his, what do they call it, the bat to 
ball skill, the ability to uh, to make contact the way Biggio did early in his career. Of course, got 3,000 hits with the Houston Astros. Tell us a story about Brett Auerbach and his road to the Giants organization. Yeah, you know, and, and the other thing that he has in common with Biggio is that he's a catcher who can also play second base and center field, which is, you know, <laughs> like unheard of, right? So yeah. he's a catcher who's going to swipe 20 bases for you. I mean, he's just a really fun player. You know, there's guys that you come to the ballpark that you hope you can see, and he's one of those guys. He, he does everything really well, um, makes a lot of contact. He hits for a lot of power for a player of his size. He's not quite Jose Altuve short, but he's not a, a tall person at all, and he can really, uh, you know, get under a ball and drive. He was a guy who transferred to Alabama in 2019, had, you know, not a particularly outstanding first season there, but did some good things, went to the Cape and hit three home runs in front of Giant Scouts during the Cape Cod League, and then went into the 2020 season at Alabama and was hitting the cover off the ball, getting on base at, I think, almost a 500 percentage. And then, of course, the season ended early, and it's only a five-round draft. And so, you know, a guy that probably would have been a top 10 round pick in almost any other circumstance goes undrafted. And it was a weird year because um, basically MLB set some very unusual rules for teams to go out and sign undrafted free agents. They were only allowed to offer $20,000 as an absolute cap on those players. So you really had to sell them on what they could do for you once you signed, which is a lot different than, you know, normally a a free agent is just like, how much are you going to pay me, right? So that was a very interesting deal. And uh, Michael Holmes was kind enough, the giant scouting director, to talk me through a little bit of how, like, they really, you know, wooed him in a way that you would woo, like, a college recruit to come to your program before the era of uh, NILs. But um, they had all the important people in the organization talk to him. They laid out a real plan for how they thought they could develop him into being the best version of himself. And he's taken that plan and run with it, you know, and, and literally, literally and figuratively. Like, he was an outstanding on all aspects of the game last year. He moved up through two levels of A-ball. He's in double-A already. And, you know, he's a guy you could see fitting on a Gabe Kapler team and, you know, getting... 110, 120 starts playing four or five different positions and just being really valuable in a lot of different ways. So, you know, a really fun story and and, um, and just very unique in how they were able to target him after that draft was over. Looking at uh, at some of the AAA players, guys who uh, we've heard their names before and maybe thought we could see them earlier, or not earlier, we may see them at some point this year. What can you tell us about what Sean Jelly's doing so far this season? He's been um, pretty good most of the time. And then he's had a couple of starts where he got hit around a little bit, which is, I think, incredibly normal for um, what you tend to see in the Pacific Coast League. It's hard to pitch in that league. And I can't emphasize that enough. I know people kind of roll their eyes a little bit about it. But the ballparks and the uh, you know different elevations that you're pitching at, it's like you're at Coors Field half the time, you know, and and then when you're not at Coors Field, you're adjusting to not being at Coors Field, you know, so it's not easy, but um, he's been much more aggressive in the strike zone than he was last year when he came, got up to Sacramento, and I think that served him well. You know, he's, he's thrown a little harder than he did when he was first out of Kentucky, um, so he's in that sort of 93 to 95 range, and when you're as tall as he is, that gets on hitters pretty quickly, so he hasn't quite gotten the swings and misses you would expect yet, but I imagine that's something that'll come you know, as he gets a little bit deeper into the season and uh, able to kind of figure out what, what hitters are seeing off of him. But um, I, I have a lot of optimism for what he can do for the Giants at some point. Okay, yeah, pitching always an asset. And, uh, and if he can make it to the uh, to the big leagues at some point and help them out, that would, would certainly be a, a value for where they drafted him. How about Elliot Rom?
Ramos. We saw him earlier this year. That was one of the fun stories at the beginning of the season. He got an opportunity to come up and got his big league knock and, and uh, got some Brandon Crawford shoes, but he has struggled since going back down. I saw his uh, his slash line, 211, 349, 310, as of your notebook last week. He had 18 strikeouts and 13 walks and 71 at-bats. What can you tell us about Elliot Ramos's performance in AAA? It's not uncommon to see players who go up for the first time um, and then come back down to have a period of adjustment where just mentally it's a little bit harder to get back out there. I mean, even when they go up to the big leagues knowing they're maybe not going to be there for very long because of whatever circumstance the, the, the call up came, it's just a tough adjustment. So I think there's you know, some allowance that could be made for that. There was, you know, quite a bit of disruption to his early season. And then you kind of, and he was on the 40 man roster. So he had a shortened spring training. So I wouldn't panic yet about what you're seeing there. I think what we did see in that brief period of time that he was with the Giants and how he started the season, you know, before the call up is what you can expect to see once he kind of gets his, his sea legs under him. I mean, guy that can hit for average, he's got power. He's got that big arm in right field is a better defender. I think than people give him credit for, he can run a little little bit and uh, just a, a pretty exciting player and you know he's also really young and so it's taken him a little bit of time to get adjusted at every level he's played at but once he's gotten adjusted there the talent really shows through so again like jelly i think it's something where you may not see him right away performing how you want to but i think the the you know future prospects for both of them are still really good are there some other names that we could be seeing uh, at some point later this year? Uh, Matt Frisbee, R.J. Dabovich, some names we've heard uh, throughout Cactus League play. Uh, what are you seeing from these guys, and are, is their trajectory heading towards the big leagues at some point this year? Yeah, I mean, Dabovich, that's, that's a good one. You know, him and, and Chris Wright is a lefty in that uh, Richmond, double-A Richmond uh, bullpen as well. And the two of them are sort of like a double-headed monster at the back of that bullpen. Both of them have put up incredible numbers since they were drafted, uh, swing and miss numbers that are, you know, almost like video game type things. Um, Dabovich throws strikes a little more consistently than Wright does, but Wright's stuff has been basically unhittable since he's turned pro. You know, the, the Giants have shown a willingness to move their relievers pretty aggressively. I think, conversely, some of the position players and the starting pitchers have been moved a little bit more conservatively. So, you know, you see a, a bigger difference there. So it'd probably be easier to say you're going to probably see a reliever than you would somebody else. One guy to keep an eye on too, Ryan Murphy didn't start the season on an active roster. He had a bit of a, a back thing in um, spring training, but it sounds like he's getting ready to to debut soon. He should probably debut um, with Double A Richmond. And, you know, he was so good last year um, for San Jose and then for Eugene that uh, if there was a starting pitcher who could maybe gain some of momentum, you know, in the middle season and maybe show up at towards the end of the year if they needed an extra starter or a long reliever. You know, he's a guy who, who could make that jump, uh, especially if he's able to stay healthy for the rest of the year. The relievers are the guys I'm always intrigued by because we've seen like even Gregory Santos just got called up again for the Giants. So you're keeping an eye on some of these big arms that, you know, they brought up Camilo Doval early last year. Sometimes these guys uh, out of necessity will come up and then go back down. So good names to keep an eye on. Here's one that, uh, that I've been waiting for news on, and it seems like he's off to a really, really hot start this year. Will Bednar, who the Giants took in the first round out of Mississippi State a couple of years ago, uh, has been fantastic. He already won a, a Pitcher of the Week award. I saw he had five no-hit innings a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what can you tell me about Will Bednar what you see? from him so far? When people talk about like whether they're uh, aggressive or conservative um, with their prospect placements, he's one where you look at and you think, what's he doing in low A? You know, yeah. this is a guy who College World Series MVP last year, first round arm, pitching like a first round arm, definitely seems like he's ready for a new challenge. Uh, I, you know, I think he, he would do just as well in high A as he's doing in low A. He's very smart pitcher, aggressive, um, has the stuff that can, you know, get the swing and misses, but it also isn't afraid to pitch to contact and let his defense work. 
So he's a guy that I think, you know, you're going to see be able to move up as he goes along, you know, and, and like kind of become a pitcher, not just a thrower. Like, he, you know, he already has a good idea of how to compete at that level. And his ability to uh, rise to the, you know, big stage like he did last year in Omaha is something that I think, you know, as much as the stuff is there, the intangible is something that I think will really serve him well. So, um, yeah, he and, and Kyle Harrison, you know, and, and Eugene, if you're going to talk about two guys that could anchor a future rotation, that, you know, those are two guys that could join Logan Webb for a long time. We can't go through a minor league conversation without talking Marco Luciano. I saw you had a home run last week at an exit velocity of 110 miles an hour. That's tantalizing stuff. Had another single with an exit velocity of 107. Uh, how's Marco Luciano doing? And as, uh, is he going to move up? Is he in double A right now? Is that where he is? No, he's in Eugene. And, he's you know, again, okay. uh, <laughs> the, the movements have been conservative. I mean, you know, he, he struggled when he got up to Eugene for the last like five or six weeks of last season um, and has come down there this year and has done everything that you would have you know hoped to have seen from him last year or did see in San Jose. For a lot of players, it takes maybe a little bit of time to just get used to a level. But that team has struggled to hit. It's been really hard to, to get going offensively in that league because there's been a rain out almost every week. It's a lot of heavy air with uh, the dampness up in the Pacific Northwest. So what he's been doing is even more impressive. Like it is not, I think his OPS is like 930 or 940 when you compare it to what everybody else is doing too. So yeah, I mean, the power is there. The ability to work a good at bat is there. Um, use the whole field, dynamic athlete. Um, he, he's going to be a really, really good player. Always fun talking about the minor leagues uh, with you, Melissa. You do a great job for the A's and for the Giants. We'll catch up with you down the road. We'll keep reading you and following you for all our minor league information. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Adam. Thank you for having me. Great stuff from Melissa Lockard. Uh, we did not get into uh, to some of the minor leaguers and, and big-name minor leaguers for the Giants who are struggling a little bit. Uh, guys like uh, Patrick Bailey, Luis Matos, uh, uh, Hunter Bishop, Jimmy Glowenke. A lot of these guys are off to, uh, to tough starts with uh, uh, OPSs under 600 to start the year, but still early, so we'll keep monitoring that stuff and getting updates from Melissa throughout the minor league season. Thank you to Melissa Lockard. Thank you to Brian, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you all the top stories in Bay Area sports. We'll have some Warrior basketball to get into later this week. And, of course, some San Francisco Giants baseball as they hit the road yet again this weekend after their series with the Rockies. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.